Welcome to another Vertigo Voices. Hi. <laughs> Fucking thing out of the way. All right. We're back. Back again for another episode after enjoying The Losers. And did you finally watch The Losers for real this time? For real, for real. Sound and everything. <laughs> Voices and sound effects. It's a lot better with the sound on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, watch uh, that movie, people. One thing, uh, we forgot to rate it. Oh, we did, didn't yeah. we? Vertigo, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's a Vertigo as well. Different than the comic in tone only. But if you're going to adapt something, then that's the way to do it, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, like I've said before, the, the comic is just so serious. I don't know. I mean, I, I could be adapted. It could be adapted great, like, the way it is. But I feel like it's more accessible to make it fun and wacky and whatever. Here, here. Yeah, it was a good one. Um, other than that, I've got a little bit of news, which we've already talked about. But uh, Sweet Tooth trailer. Yes, looks which, good. Yeah, looks really fucking good. And kind of fucking came out of nowhere. Because we, I think the last time we talked about this was in, like, October when DC was doing the fandom. Yes. And I was like, oh, there's no fucking Sweet Tooth stuff, but they probably haven't even cast it yet. <laughs> well, it's fucking done. Like, it's filmed and it's coming out in a month. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I, the uh, cast completely surprised me. I was not expecting to see Will Forte in there as the dad. And uh, the guy that plays Jeopard uh, is from Game of Thrones. Oh. I can't remember his character's name in that, but he was also in that shitty movie. Um, Fuck, what was it called? On Disney Plus. Uh, based on a book. Artemis Fowl. Oh. I've, I've avoided those on purpose. I hear they're very bad. Why? There's only one movie. And there's only ever going to be. Because it was a piece <laughs> of shit. It was like fucking awful. If you've ever wanted to see Josh Gad uh, inhale dirt. Like literally. Just like sit on the ground and shovel dirt into his mouth. And then simultaneously shit it out of his ass. <laughs> In like a stream? No. Yes. <laughs> That's in that movie. I like it's like he's like a gopher, like argh, <laughs> digging a tunnel into the earth while dirt is literally just spraying out of his ass. Like it's like a mulcher. It's it's the weirdest thing. That's and that's like ten seconds of the movie. Like oh, wow. <laughs> a whole ten seconds. Yeah. The, the rest of the movie is equally as baffling, but for variously different reasons. Screw plot line. <laughs> yeah, and so Anyway, um, here's hoping that uh, a Sweet Tooth is better than that. Cheers, yes. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. Drink some coffee to that, that. That was directed by Kenneth Branagh also. Really? Yep. Really? Yes. Wow. And speaking, I think last time I mentioned Nando V Movies, the YouTube account where he kind of unpacks uh, movie editing or things like that. Um, he did, did a really good episode about Artemis Fowl. Like... I don't know, a year ago, whenever it came out. It's been forever since I've watched that movie and his critique of it. But his critique is really interesting because he basically unpacks what went wrong with it and has a theory that there's a plot point that was completely made up during post-production <laughs> and, like, forced into the movie. Like a Hail Mary type of situation? <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. Huh. So, uh, anyway, it's an interesting... I, I would, If you ever have a reason to watch Artemis Fowl, I would... <laughs> Suggest immediately watching the Nando B V movies uh, uh, or whatever video about it. 
Try to make sense of what you've just seen. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's literally the only reason to watch Artemis Fowl. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> it's free on Disney Plus, and it's not worth the hour and a half that you'd spend watching it. <laughs> unless you're going to immediately follow it up with Nana Buies. <laughs> because it's a profoundly interesting, like, filmmaking class. <laughs> like, how could something be this bad? Well, here's my theory. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Good yeah. to know. Okay. Um, all right, then we've got another brief Colby's Got Issues, done, done, done. Um, <laughs> this is a little different than normal because uh, this is going to combine two different things that are comic-related, but they're not actual comics. But um, over the last, I don't know, couple years, for some reason I've taken an interest in comic books, specifically DC comic book cards from like the 90s. Mm-hmm. Back when Skybox was all the rage and Fleer and, like, these companies that I'm pretty sure aren't around anymore. And really, is card collecting even around, other than Pokemon and Magic? You know, that's a good question. I mean, maybe baseball cards, but I, I have no idea. I But, you know, like, places like Walmart and Target have a big card section at the front. Tractor so Supply. I was be... Yeah, I was on Tractor Supply the other day, and they had Starter Magic decks. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. In tractor supply. <laughs> and I mean, magic's huge. It's going to be everywhere. But I just, I don't know if people actually still collect the, the cards. The, just the, the character, so. you know, whatever. Because yeah. a couple years ago, I put together a big Vertigo and Sandman card collection, which took a while of literally just on going on eBay and buying unopened boxes of the cards <laughs> and then tearing into them and putting my collection together. It, uh, it only took a, a few to make both of those collections complete. Wow. Um, so I was pretty proud of that. But uh, uh, that then, like, you know, once I had that itch, it just needed to keep being scratched. So <laughs> I recently uh, have been working on a Superman the Man of Steel card line from the 90s as well. And then another one um, on the death of Superman and return of Superman. Those both got card releases. Wow. So I've been working on those, and and then my daughter even got into it. She's she's been collecting the Bone series of cards. That's right. I saw your post. That's yeah. cool. So anyway, uh, and then as I was doing some digging, I discovered. Okay, and then and so like I said, there's just two things. So there's the, the the card side of it, and then a few years ago, I don't know, I can't remember when it was. You were talking about one of the like gateway comics for you back in the day was Bloodline. Yes. That DC miniseries. Yeah. Well, it turns out there's a card collection for <gasps> Bloodlines. Oh! oh my God. Oh wait, may I? Yeah, go for it. Oh my we God. We got an unopened box of Bloodlines cards. Oh my God. From, what is it, 93, 94? Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, well, of course, the internet, right? Yeah, it's just eBay, man. <gasps> eBay. eBay. I love eBay, and I don't even have an eBay account. Oh, like, can we open it right now? Yeah, go for it. Yes, yes. Oh, I don't have any fingernails. I don't either. There we go. All right. That is so fantastic. Like, here's my favorite thing. Let me see. Are these unopened boxes? This is my favorite thing about them because, uh, ah. <laughs> it's also the display. <gasps> oh. Oh, that <laughs> just makes my little heart so happy. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that weird skeleton horse butterfly is on the front there, but... Um, <laughs> They're like the bloodline version of xenomorphs. Oh, and, like, they walk around like humans. They look like everyday people. Well, with the exception that they have very, like, 
off-kilter strange style. And then, like, they transform into these things, and they all look different, and they, like, suck out their victim's spinal fluid. It's wonderful. Huh, but, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, listeners, I wish you guys could see this. Well, crack, let's crack one open. I want to see what's inside the Bloodlines cards. I got... Ooh, I got the list. It's my favorite card. <laughs> the list card. That is number 80. So there's only 80 in this set. Most of these that I've found are 90. Okay, I got the hook. Alrighty. Seems to be a character created for Bloodlines. Mm -hmm. Praetor? Praetor? Praetor. Praetor. That's an I. I know, <laughs> I know, I know, but it's it's pronounced Praetor from what I understand. Right. That looks like one of the new characters. I got Deadly Genesis, which is just a panel. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And it looks like it makes a... Picture. Oh, it's like even a puzzle. Ah, the Eradicator. Coolio. This is back before they called him the Eradicator, though. All the cards that I have of him, he's called Last Son of Krypton. Yeah. The Man of Steel cards and the Death and Return. But this is well after that, so he shouldn't be called Last Son of Krypton anymore. Whatever. Hitman versus the Demon. That's a cool one. Nice. That was one thing about Bloodlines is it spun Hitman out of that. Yeah, he was I think a character that was created for it. He's the only one that really... Jam. There we go. There's a fucking 90s <laughs> character. I don't think, I don't think Jam made that it. Is ins that's like... Everything about the 90s in one picture. I don't know how to describe this. A dude on a skateboard with, like, baggy cargo shorts and a, a loud Cosby sweater that's also a belly tee. Like, we knew this guy growing up. A do-rag and sunglasses on his head with wild blonde hair. Jesus, God almighty. And an Argus. So many characters, like there's one or two characters in here that I recognize. <laughs> um, don't quote me on this. Someone's going to be like, Sophia, you're wrong. But I think there's Hitman and someone else who are the um, only characters that were born from Bloodlines that kind of went on to have their own life. Yeah. They made a lot of characters for Bloodline that just, you know, they only lasted that far. Okay, anyway, sorry. What did you get? <laughs> you just opened a pack? Tell me. <laughs> I got myself some jam too. That dude is oh, everywhere. Jam. <laughs> Hitman versus a demon. Yes, Again. Yes. Wow, Again. Weird. Argus. What? Yeah. <laughs> Are there only like five <laughs> cards in this entire fucking set? And then they've got, yeah, some panels here, which, like you said, look like they come together to yeah. make a puzzle. Mongrel's Frenzy against the Butterfly Dude. The Heat of Gunfire. Slay the Beast. The Sky Rain's Blood. There's Hawkman. Dun, dun. Um, and less deadly arrow. Uh, so according to Wikipedia, the only new blood character to succeed as an independent property was Hitman. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, who first appeared in 1993's Demon Annual and then had his own well-regarded series. He even had a spinoff years after the cancellation called JLA Hitman. Oh. And then uh, a miniseries, the Six Pack got their own series. Six-pack? Is that what they're called? I think so. You would know better than I, but I think so, yeah. There was a character named Dog Welder. I just remember him. Dog Welder. Yeah, I love he it. Uh, welds dead dogs to people. What? Yeah. Dog <laughs> okay. Welder. That's, that's literally, like, that's his name. Wait, it couldn't be Six-pack. Because that, that's a that's an X-Men team. Oh, well, then never mind. Dog Welder. What the fuck am I thinking of? They're not called... 
Section 8. Oh. God damn it. <laughs> it should have been called Six Pack. That's a better... Oh, one of the characters is named Six Pack. Oh, there you That's go. There thinking. you go. See, you weren't wrong. You, yeah. weren't, you weren't off. Yeah, Dog Welder. I'll try to find a picture of him. I actually made a paper bag puppet of Dog Welder back when I was doing those. Dog Welder. Please Anyways. tell me you still have it. No, I don't. Oh. It got <laughs> destroyed by that stupid fucking cat. <laughs> Goddamn cat. See, there's Dog Welder. <laughs> Literally a welder holding a dead dog. Oh my god. Getting ready to weld it to somebody's face. I feel like that would so not fly nowadays. You'd you would have uh, the PETA people up in arms. Yeah, they were probably up in arms back then. But it's fucking it's Garthanis. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> dog welder. Everyone needs a hobby. Is that oh. John Constantine? It is. I'm like kind of a six second dog welder. I I mean I don't know that it is. It looks like him, but I would bet it is. I don't know. That's interesting. I'll have to track down that uh, book. Does Dog Welder have his own action figure? No. Again, if he did, I'd already have it. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way that would not be in your collection. Yeah, see, that said... uh, Wait, where was that? Go back. That's a six-pack and... Oh, that's the character. All right. It says six-pack and Dog Welder. I thought that meant the team name. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But then in the middle it says Section 8, which is the team name. So, never mind. Now we know. Six Pack is officially a person. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Oh, that is so cool. Uh, all right. So going from. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. All right. What? what? I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I think you should just put it out there. Tell uh, the people what your great white whale is of card collecting, what you're looking for. I don't know. The Vertigo deck. Oh, the Vertigo Tarot. <laughs> That's not like a card collecting set, though. That's a. That's its, own, that's its own thing. That, the, that, that's totally no? different. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. The like the biggest, I guess, Vertigo uh, uh, collectible is the Tarot set by Rachel Pollock, and I think Neil Gaiman worked on it too. Which is just a big Tarot set that is designed around Vertigo characters, and I've been looking for it for a long time because it's really fucking expensive. I found somebody selling it on eBay one time for like seventy dollars, and I was very close to winning it, but lost in the end. And that's easily the cheapest I've ever seen it. They used to actually have a set at Merlin's downtown like oh. 10 years ago, maybe longer. And I'd always look at it and be like, someday I'm going to buy it. And now it's gone. Like it's, oh. it's been gone for a while. <laughs> Someone came and got it first. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, someday I'll just, I'll just uh, uh, take the plunge and buy it for a lot of money on eBay or something. <laughs> actually, let's check what it's up to right now. Good idea. 230 but that's bidding. See, there we go. 450 for uh buy it now. That's more of what I've seen it at. Now here's one for 300 or like 280 but that's the remade one. Like they remade it. Oh. You can see the difference. Yeah. Maybe someday I'll, I'll slum for that. But you want the original one yeah. in your heart of hearts. And there's only a couple available, see? That's it. The rest of these are just they're just matching words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Did just... you mean rainbow <laughs> Japmala? Did you mean African brown petersite and garnet earrings? Because those two are exactly alike. <laughs> Did you mean Marvel Legends custom rock slide juggernaut gladiator thing Hulk Colossus? <laughs> I can see how you'd make the connection. Yeah. Kid Lord. Uh. Anyway, so yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> just putting that out there in the universe. You never know. All right, so today our actual uh, 
I don't know, discussion is going to be revolving around Transmetropolitan. Woo! The Warren Ellis and uh, Derek Robertson comic book ran from 97 to 2002. Originally not Vertigo. It was originally uh, Helix production. That's right. Helix was DC's like adult sci-fi banner. It was one of those like, why are you doing that? Why, why are you fucking throwing out so many goddamn imprints? Like, don't pull it back. <laughs> <laughs> so then after only a few issues, uh, Helix was quietly killed and their stuff was moved over to Vertigo. And, for the better, yeah, probably. Transmet ran for 60 issues and a couple of specials. And uh, I think it was switched over to Vertigo in like issue 10 or so. So like it was more Vertigo than not. Oh, uh, how much did you read of it? I, um, well, I've, I've read, I think, all of them. I've read, you know, of course, Back on the Street, which is the first one. Uh, well, I just meant for right now. Oh, for right now. <laughs> I for, went for today's all, discussion. I went all the way through um, The New Scum, which is, I think, number four. Oh, okay. Number five. Because the printing, like, depending on which printing you get, depends on how big the volume is. Because <laughs> the first printing of volume one is only three issues. One through three. And then second printing is one through six. That's right. So I was just reading until I got bored. And I think I got up to issue nine. <laughs> <laughs> Which was still Helix. Huh, interesting. I thought it was... I thought I saw that it was Vertigo then. But must have just been looking at the others in my collection. Uh, there's also a couple of stories in Winter's Edge. Oh, Winter's Edge 2 and 3 both have um, Transmet stories in it. And then there's two spin-off graphic novels called I Hate It Here and Filth of the City. And I believe those are the writings of Spider Jerusalem. I think so, yeah. Let me care. Yeah, so Transmet, what's the what's the book report? Oh. Why what are we doing here with this bald bastard? <laughs> Our main character all around just wild man, Spider Jerusalem, is retired up into the mountains after a very notorious career in journalism. He's very famous and very well known for uh, poking all the wrong buttons on those in power. So he's up in his mountain fortress and it turns out that he still owes his publisher two books, which he was paid for in advance and he has not written them. So his publisher is basically like, write our damn books or, you know, We'll sue you. We'll have your ass. So he comes down from the mountains, <laughs> destroys his favorite bar along the way, <laughs> and he takes back his old job at um, The Word, Transmetropolitan's premier newspaper, and starts to write about politics and social issues, etc., etc., all through his very Hunter S. Thompson, uh, like Uncle Duke from Doonesbury type of way. When you mentioned destroying his old bar. When they when they first introduce him in that first issue, and he's, you know, like a misanthrope, and, like, again, just has a rocket launcher in his car so he can destroy the bar on the way out of uh, his little retreat. It's one of those, like, I'm like, I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> like, I fucking hate people like that who are just like, if it's not about me, then fuck it. <laughs> but then as the series goes on, like, every issue I like him a little more because he becomes less that uh, that one note joke mm -hmm. and more the observer. I, th I think the, the, the less he does in the narrative, the more I like him <laughs> <laughs> when he, when he's just watching and writing and judging, I like him a lot more. Mm -hmm. No, he's spider. Jerusalem is not a hero at all. He's not even an anti-hero. He's an asshole. Yeah. And, but 
There's a lot of things about this character that uh, I can understand why people don't like him. I've talked with uh, several people who they, they just don't like Transmet. They're like, uh, Spider Jerusalem is a, help me out, I'm going to mispronounce this word, even though it's a word I really like. Nihilist? Nihilist. Nihilist, thank you. Um, just watch The Big Lebowski. They pronounce it a few times in there. <laughs> That's right. Thank no, you. Donnie's men are nihilists. They're cowards. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Donnie. No. Um, <laughs> and along his way, I mean, it's... How many issues did this... This, like, ran from 97 to 2002. 60 issues. Yeah, 60. Thank you. So there's a lot of adventures and explorations that Spider goes on as he, you know, uncovers crooked politics and... Um, just basically writes from this first person perspective with gonzo journalism about what it's like to, uh, oh, what are they called in the first issue? Oh, the, the, uh, Fred Christ. The, the transhumans? Dream. Yeah, transhumans. Um, and since it's set in the future, there's all these different niches and, and groups and subgroups and cultures and like, Somewhere in the comic book, um, I think it's his editor is like, uh, new religion is made every thirty oh, yeah. seconds or something like that. I fucking love that issue where they go to the religion fair. <laughs> which, what was that? Was that issue five? It was issue six. Yes. Because issue five is one where he just watches TV all day, which is another great issue. <laughs> that reminds me, I wanted to look this up. In issue six, when he's plodding around the religion fair... He has a specific type of sneakers on that they keep showing the bottom of. It is! It's the ones he buys in issue five. Ah, that's cool. Because, um, yeah, I, I mentioned that when we were talking about Vertigo adaptations, that there's that episode where he just... Air Jesus. Yeah, Air Jesus. <laughs> where he, he sees a commercial of these religious sneakers and then orders them and they get arrive in five minutes. And it's like like prediction of Amazon's fucking next day shipping or, or next day arrival. <laughs> and so those, those same shoes show up in the next issue when he's dressed like Jesus plodding around the uh, religions, religious conference, which that was a fucking amazing issue. Um, the end when he's just screaming at the, uh, the dude who is uh, espousing the, the benefits of trepanning and he's like screaming at him about religion and the uselessness of it. I fucking love that. Because there's this guy that... The, this dude who drills holes in his head and he's trying to like sell this religion to some guy. He was like, is something missing in your life? And the guy's like, yeah, there is. Like, I'm, I, I don't know my way in the world. I need help. He's like, well, let me cut a hole in your head. <laughs> and uh, Spider's like, you fucking idiot. Like, that's not what this person needs. They don't need you to tell them what to do based on your fantasies. Like, what this person needs is a doctor and probably some medication. <laughs> <laughs> this person needs real help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's his assistant, Shannon, Shannon yeah. Yarrow, who uh, tells him that, yeah, no, this, this isn't going to work because a new religion is born 30 seconds. You mm -hmm. can't write about that. But there's also a really, and I think it's in that issue, too, where um, there's this great moment between them. Like we were saying, Spider Jerusalem is an asshole, but the farther you go in the book and um, the immediate people that he has in his circle, you see that he is also fiercely loyal to those people. Yeah. And there's a great part in, I think it is in issue six, where he gets in a fight with Shannon because there's at one time that she was a bride of Fred Christ, of the, the leader of the transhuman movement, where people are combining their DNA with alien DNA. And like he totally just balls her out for it and says, you know, he doesn't love you. Why are you being so stupid? And like they have this great moment where she's like, 
I know this. Like, I know he doesn't love That's me. That's about her boyfriend, though. Not about Fred. Oh, is it? I yeah, thought it was about Fred. Zhang. Oh, Zhang. Oh, because he, he, their weird relationship continues past that issue. <laughs> and uh, then right now, like, I just finished reading about their breakup and then her... Turning to Fred Christ after the Oh, breakup. that's right. Oh, excuse me. I got my timeline mixed up. Okay, never mind. <laughs> but but no, I know what you're talking about. Because he, he, like, uh, completely cuts into her about that. And then when she, like, lights back into him about, like, you didn't have to say that. Like, you know, I know it. You know it. But you don't have to tell me that. Like, you don't have to lecture me about my failings. I know what they are. And then he, like, they just kind of sit there in silence for a minute. And he's like, let's go have fun. Let's go get drunk. Let's go. Wait. And they're sitting next to a priest. Yeah, yeah. Time. Who's listening <laughs> to all their stories and then vomits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. So, um, do you have what? At what moment do you think that you were like, okay, this guy isn't um, just a, like you said, a caricature? He's got yeah. maybe some more depth to him. That's probably around the end of issue three when he's writing the story about the riots and which fucking hell that is a really timely story. Oh, isn't it though? Um, see, like, I, I think the first volume, they intentionally dial him up more than he is in the rest of the series just to be like, this is, look, look at this fucking crazy guy. Like, come on, readers, come and read about this wacky dude and all the shenanigans he gets into just to kind of, like, it's like, like the pilot of a TV show. Like, yeah. pi- pilots of TV shows usually take the overall personality or narrative or whatever of the characters and show and throw as much of it in there as you can all at once so that new readers or watchers or whatever uh, will instantly get a sense of what everything's going to be like after. Like everything's cranked up to 11. The personalities, the exchanges, all that. And I think that's what they do here. So if you get past the first volume, then you see a more nuanced take on the character other than just that like fucking jam from uh, <laughs> from bloodlines, <laughs> bloodlines. skateboarding <laughs> hey look at me kids yeah i'm extreme i say fuck <laughs> cosby sweater crop top mm, yeah. uh. so i i would just say after the first volume it kind of levels out and he becomes more of a character and less of a caricature and I think that's why some of the people I've talked to who are like, no, I don't like Transmet. And, it's like, and and usually I'm the person that says, well, I don't want to have to watch an entire show or read an entire series if I'm not into it just to wait for a good moment. But I would argue that like after the first three issues of Transmet, which, you know, I think there's enough there to keep you hooked, even if you think the guy is a complete dick, yeah. um, you know, you invest more in his story and there's something there that has merit. Yeah. Three issues is nothing. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And it's, and it's also not saying nothing. It's, uh, those, those three issues, regardless of him being a dick, it's still an interesting story and a really interesting world and kind of a speculative look at the future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, hey, that actually reminds me, I forgot to put on my, my reading glasses for today. Oh. <laughs> oh, I remember you mentioned you had yeah. those. Oh, they look exactly like spiders. Yeah. <laughs> Those are awesome. I'm currently uh, wearing another uh, of my Vertigo Collector things, a pair of Spider Jerusalem glasses that Vertigo made in the late 90s, um, 1999, it says. And good fucking luck finding these. <laughs> <laughs> Those are treasures. They were a really limited run. I think they only made a couple thousand. I bought these on eBay a couple years ago. 
probably the most I've ever spent on any one thing. <laughs> Other than my car. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think they're worth it because these are kind of one of a kind. Oh, definitely. And they're the, like, you can buy, like, you can go on Etsy and buy a fucking 3D printed pair of these for right. 20 bucks, you know? There's everyone on Etsy selling Spider Jerusalem glasses. But uh, these are, like, the official Vertigo ones. They're not in 100% perfect shape, but I kind of like that about them. It says, mm-hmm. trademark, Warren Ellis and Derek Robertson. <laughs> there you go. The real deal. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, these are, my, these are my spider glasses. They're also way too small. They look like they're for a child. <laughs> I don't know whose head these were modeled on, but <laughs> it was not an adult human being. <laughs> well, and that's the cool thing about uh, those in the comics, too, um, because they, they, they're basically his camera that he takes to work with him. And there's that part where uh, this uh, simulator spits him out, and he's mm-hmm. like, what the fuck are these? And they're like, exactly what you ordered. I love how his simulator, like, he's got a little little box in his computer. It's like a 3D printer, but it can create anything. Right. And it's sentient, and it gets high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it how he unplugs it to detox, yeah, and yeah. it's like, no! <laughs> yeah. Just so much weird, weird elements like that that just make this series a lot of fun and really enjoyable did you notice uh there's a few star wars references sprinkled throughout i missed that in the first issue when spider's all hairy when he walks into his uh editor's office he uh, has han solo's blaster like that's his gun that he uses oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, does, it is very star wars and then later on in the series there's a bar called moss eisley you see in the background Oh. I can't remember what issue that was. Maybe six or seven. But anyway, just some fun little things. And also, I think it's issue six. No, I think it's issue seven. The one where Zhang gets downloaded. I think it's in this issue. Oh, yeah, there's the Moss Eisley. That's oh. talking about. And then... Um, uh, uh, Wait for it. Uh, fuck, I think it's a different one. Whoa, this looks weird. <laughs> that... That like that guy actually looks three D right now. Does he? Looking through these glasses, huh? That's weird. There's uh, a <laughs> this uh, oh jeez, these dude, the people that like download their minds into these bodies of spores. And I'm looking at a picture of one right now in this issue, and he looks three D in these spider glasses. Fuck, it's not that <laughs> issue. It must be the one before it. Um, anyway, there's a celebrity cameo in there that. Uh, your phone's not silenced. But it is, I swear. <laughs> oh, now it is. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, maybe it's this one. There's a celebrity cameo that surprised me. It's weird because it's a celebrity that I've met, and um, that person's a part of Transmetropolitan now. <laughs> <laughs> that person is Vertigo adjacent. <laughs> they are now canon. Oh, this was a really fucking good issue. Um... <laughs> There, there he is. Uh-huh. Down there. See that? I do see that. It says, Insane Posane's used porno clones. Cheap! Ooh. That's Brian Posane. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's cool! <laughs> Comedian Brian Posane plays himself as the uh, proprietor of used porno clones. <laughs> well, now he is memorialized in Vertigo forever. That is cool. I love all the ads and shit. Like, there's constant ads for Ebola Cola, <laughs> which comes up quite a bit in the series. 
there's yeah the, the advertising in this series is just so outlandish that like you think that oh that's ridiculous no one would ever buy that but then you kind of look at where we've gone in terms of consumerism and you're like you know what maybe it's not so much of a stretch <laughs> issue nine uh the issue where he goes into the different uh reservations yes have you read that one uh-huh. there's a great line in it where he uh is talking to this doctor who's like prepping him to go in because so in this story, there's chunks of land called reservations where cultures in their original style are living. Mm -hmm. So you can go and like see the Aztecs or see like Middle Eastern tribes from thousands of years ago. And you can, you can like view them as they originally were. And people that live there have their modern minds erased. So they think that they are literally living in that. And there's a scene be when Spider's going to check it out and he's getting like a checkup from his doctor and the doctor says, uh, like, just so you know, like, so you can't spit in there because your germs will contaminate. If you shit, you have to dig a deep hole and make sure it's buried. If you piss, it has to be in like this specific well that's deep enough that people won't get into. Um, if you bleed or are wounded, make sure that nobody that you interact with touches it. So it can also don't fuck anyone or anything. And Spider goes, anything? And she goes, well, you are a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be like, I take issue with that, but me, uh, she's got a point. <laughs> that issue also has a great running gag where Spider, when he first meets the woman who's like introducing him to the concept, she's telling him all about it. She's explaining that, like, just so you know, one of the tribes practices genital mutilation, so don't freak out if you see that. And he's like, oh, that's insane he's like yeah yeah that's human history i don't know what to tell you like, <laughs> and uh after he's talking to her he's just sitting there and he goes uh one last question like would you mind going out to dinner and she goes sorry i'm i'm the way she says it she's like i play for the other team if you know what i mean or something he's like oh yeah no problem and there's just a shot of him sitting there alone and then whack he hits himself in the dick <laughs> <laughs> like all right we'll see you later <laughs> And there's a reoccurring gag in that issue where everyone he meets, he asks that. Like, then the, the doctor who's getting him prepped, he's like, hey, would you mind going out to dinner tonight? And she goes, sorry, I don't eat. I had my stomach replaced with bacteria that will uh, regulate my body's, you know, whatever. And he's like, all right, yeah, no, no problem. And then uh, you know, the next person, like, hey, would you mind going to dinner? And she's like, oh, sorry, I'm a breatharian. And he goes, oh, uh, well, how about just some sexual intercourse? And she goes, sorry, I uh, took a chastity pledge or something like that. <laughs> and then the next person he meets, he's like, hey, would you mind going out to eat? And she goes, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm married and I'm gay and I have uh, like a litter of lizard babies gestating inside me. And he has like eight, she has like eight excuses. And he's like, you know, like just, just one would, or just a no would have been fine. And she's like, well, you can't be too sure. <laughs> He just cannot win. <laughs> and then after that, he uh, makes a mental note to make sure to uh, order libido suppressants as well as, um, I don't know, he, he orders like four different things, like libido suppressants and a castration. <laughs> oh, poor guy. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I think that's one thing that gets lost a lot um, for fans of this series is that it's very... Like, the go-to is to talk about, like, all of these um, uh, issues within the books, like technology and capitalism and, um, you know, journalism and what is the truth versus, you know, what is our perception of the truth, da-da-da-da-da, which is fun to talk about. 
But I think sometimes people lose sight that this series is just so damn entertaining. Yeah. Like, there's so much going on, and there's so much, like, dark humor and, you know, just kind of subversive, sharp wit. Um, yeah, it's just a, a blast to read. Well, it's all rooted in personality and the humanity of the leads. Like, Spider, for all of his flaws, he's also a deeply humanistic person who uh, just finds interest in his fellow man. Right. Whether he's judging them or enjoying their company or whatever, he's, he's just deeply invested in the human condition. And you see that more as the story goes, again, like I said. Like, the first I- issue, first issue specifically, but the first arc is a lot of him just kind of raising his eyebrow and judging people and like, eh, I'm better than you all. But the more, the more the series goes, the more you realize that, that that's kind of a front. And he is just as deep into humanity as everyone else. Um, he's, I guess he's holding humanity to a higher, higher standard as a way to hold himself to that standard. Yeah, d- d- deep down beneath all his hedonism and you know, seeming you know, indifference, he, he cares a lot. And he has a very strong moral center of what he believes is right. Yeah. And he's a really fucking interesting character. Again, like, I don't, I don't know how you could read more than a couple issues of this and not identify with him or just like him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or even, like, the moments when he's being totally abrasive. He's still interesting. Yeah. You know? And again, like, like I said, that whole scene where he's chewing out the religious dude... He's insanely abrasive in that, but fuck, I love that. I love, I love somebody taking fundamentalism to task. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> and just the idea that that I mean, we've we've spent thousands of years as a society and like just as a world culture locked into these beliefs that have no bearing on our daily life anymore. Right. But but people still just cling to them because they need something to cling to. Well, and you could you could argue too that 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 has bled even into our secularism with yeah. like toxic positivity. Yeah, exactly. You know? or, or just any. I mean, fuck. That's the reason I I have a huge collection of comics. <laughs> it's <laughs> like we we as a society or not as a society. Excuse me. We as a species are hardwired to latch on to things that bring us peace. Mm-hmm. And for some people it's a belief that, well, for a lot of people it's a weird belief that there's there's something more to your existence. And you know, there's not. <laughs> your existence is to get through the day, man. Find something that, that makes you happy and not, uh, you know, a reward in the end. Well, and, you know, to be, to be honest, it's like, if that is your belief, if that is what gets you through the day and makes you happy, fine. But the problem comes usually from the idea that it's like, well, let me tell you how to do it because you're doing it wrong. And then, and that's just all too common. But, uh, some of the signs at the religious festival, there's the little baby Jesus is watching you all with like a big brother. eye, <laughs> And then, uh, we are grown by alien love gardeners. This is my favorite. It's a picture of Slash. <laughs> yeah. And it says, fuck the holy gut wound of St. Mark. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thor needs virgins. God loves guns and so should you. <laughs> oh, by the way, for those who are listening, that's like a plaque on a nipple piercing. Yes. <laughs> Above a big old gnarly zit. Ow. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, Erzuli. 
I don't know. The, Ar- Ar- Arzuli G. Rogue weeps for us. Rouge? Rouge. Yeah. Arzuli G. Rouge weeps for us. I don't know what that is. Uh, the truth is encoded in the nanny reruns. Watch the History Channel. <laughs> <laughs> and then, do you want to eat peyote and human flesh on the path to spiritual fulfillment? Or just for the hell of it? Join the ancient cult of Anazazi. Oh, Anazazi. Yeah. <laughs> Drugs and human flesh. I know, and it's just, I wish you guys could see the art because it, it's so shiny. Like, it looks like a Kanakon, but it's, you know, religion. Yeah. <laughs> I like the guy with the holy thoughts packet that's like got a tube that's pumped into his head. Right. And this guy just wearing a shirt that says, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Must be a Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like, going back to what you said a second ago about how, like, you know, if if the idea of a divine reward is enough to get you through the day, then do it. Like that's, but that's also like that's that's a lie. Like that's a you're building yourself on a lie, man. Well, people are allowed to lie to themselves. I know, but fuck, people do it all the time. But something that big, like <laughs> I just, I and I guess that's my own thing because I've, I, I have such a huge divide in my mind between fiction and truth, mm-hmm. and I can't like I think I've talked to you about this. Like I fucking hate most biopic movies right. <laughs> because of how often they just make shit up to make it more cinematic or whatever. And, uh, and so like, that's just something I can't get past. It's like, why would you want to lie to yourself on something that big? And then also like, have you seen true detective the yeah. first season? Oh yeah. There's that, there's that whole bit where, uh, McConaughey and the other guy, <laughs> fuck, what is his name? Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. McConaughey and Harrelson are arguing while they're at like a revival. And, McConaughey says, like, oh, like, look at these fucking idiots. Like, these doe-eyed fools just believing whatever's thrown at them. And uh, Harrelson says, like, hey, like, I don't have a problem with it. Like, hey, the way I see it, if this is what's keeping them in check, then that's good. Mm-hmm. And McConaughey says, if the only thing keeping someone from acting out their terrible fantasies is the promise of a divine... Uh, reward then that person is a piece of shit <laughs> well i guess i i don't see it in that vein like it's something that keeps people from being assholes to each other because obviously it doesn't yeah. um and this is a this is a rare thing unfortunately because it's usually the the jackasses that scream the loudest um and i'm sure you can you you have examples of this too in your life um i can think of several religious people i know that i'm like I'm not religious and I'm not driven to be, but if I was, um, they would be the example because they actually, they actually walk their talk. They come from a place of, you know, this is what Christ tells me to be. And Christ tells me to be loving and help my fellow man. And that I admire. I do. Um, you know, I don't need to believe the same things that they do in order to see how they live their life and realize that, you know, they're doing their best with what they have. I don't know. I, 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 went to, I grew up in a Catholic school, man. I, I've seen the worst of the worst. So to me, it's all the same fucking pile. Like, it's just, like... Uh, and, and then uh, another thing in that episode of uh, whatever it's called, uh, uh, True Detective, when uh, after, they, after he says that, and then uh, Woody Harrelson says, uh, so it's like, so you don't think that, that these people should... Or, like, you, you think that these people should just... Should should just fuck all that, and and if they want to be evil, be evil, or like like not not let that dictate their lives. And 
Christ, I can't remember exactly the way he phrases it, but he says like, like, hey man, uh, if that's if that's what's gonna do it, then like, sure, let him be evil. At least, uh, at least I'll know who to who to guard the door from or something. Remember <laughs> the way he phrases it. But anyway, uh, going back to Transmat, the scene where he like is screaming at the trepanning guy, he uh, grabs the dude who says like, yeah, I think I. I think I do need some direction in my life. It's the guy with the I'm sorry shirt. Oh! <laughs> so it is. And Spider says, yeah, I'm calling bullshit, or I'm calling your faith bullshit. This man needs medical help if he can't get through his life without something invisible to believe in. You know, I wouldn't mind all, all this half so much if there was some historical truth in it. This whole concept of faith, of believing in something that isn't fucking there, was invented by a man to cover up the cracks in the Christianity he cobbled together with the Romans. The whole God thing comes from the days of our brain comes from the days where our brains weren't connected up as they are now, and we all hallucinated daily. And he goes, Shut the fuck up, you goddamn heretic. <laughs> fuck me. That's a Christian attitude you've got there. Shut it. Release an uh, release is an evangelical religion. Did you know that? I look like I give a fuck. <laughs> and the guy attacks him, or the guy lunges at him, and Spider knees him in the nose. And then stands over him and lifts up his his uh, robes and says, "Read my scripture. Read my fucking scripture." <laughs> That's it. That is the absolute fucking limit. You're all in for it now, you bunch of cheap scam artists, all of you. <laughs> Thieves, the goddamn lot of you. Thieves and leeches. Fucking vampires sucking the will from though from people whose only goddamn crimes. And then he goes. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> breath. We're to be frightened and tired. And you don't help them. You don't listen to them. They they get no truth from you. All you do is scare them with stories of something that doesn't exist. And you bastards are winning. Hundreds more of you every day. Getting away with it in a place so, uh, so noisy that no one could hear the truth if they were ever told. And I can't fight you alone, you fucks. <laughs> couldn't when I was a kid uh, couldn't when I was a kid and dad went cultist and I can't now all I can do is tell the truth the <laughs> yeah that's my stance on it all <laughs> well you know what that's a per, uh, parallel of right the, yeah yeah the uh, money changers yes yeah yeah but it's a great way to update it yeah exactly <laughs> no I'm I'm with you in that um, it is most it is dangerous to society when that attitude comes over of because you know i'm sure you've heard it too like the idea that oh you're depressed well instead of you know let's see if we can get you accessible therapy and you know help make sure that you know if you need to get on medication that you can afford it let's talk about god yeah, just open your heart <laughs> yeah um i i can't remember where the quotes from but this i heard this early in my life and it always stuck with me. It's just that if you can get someone to believe in impossibility, you can get them to do anything. And so people who are willing to believe in impossibility scare the shit out of me. <laughs> and I see, I mean, it's, this isn't new. This isn't anything like this goes back to as long as there's been people that were capable of abstract thought. Mm -hmm. And so this is just something that humanity is going to have to deal with um, forever. <laughs> Although, did you did you hear the uh, recent numbers? I can't I can't remember uh, the actual statistic, but did you hear that recently, like th literally just a few weeks ago, for the first time ever, people who claim no religion or don't attend a regular service 
is the highest segment mm-hmm. of the population. I did not hear that's that. That's literally the first time that's ever happened. Wow. <laughs> no wonder the evangelicals are all, you know, got their knickers in a twist. Yeah. Well, I, to quote Alan Quartermain in um, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie, uh, an old tiger uh, sensing the end will fight its fiercest. <laughs> Boy, howdy, is that not true? Yes. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> regardless, it's still gonna. This is still gonna be something that we're always gonna have to deal with. Oh, in some and form or another. Yes. Even even if quote religion goes away, there's still something ridiculous that people are gonna cling to. Be it anti-vaccination or holistic medicine or just something that that's not has no basis in reality. Fucking. Flat Earth. <laughs> or, or, you know, even life, like you could say for our generation, it's hustle culture. Yeah. Like, go, 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 get, 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 work, work, work. Um, so, yeah, something will always crop up that replaces it. Um, but, you know, if, if that's whoever said it, I don't know who said it, but again, like, if, if uh, you, if being religious, sent, and I'm bastardizing this, like if being religious is... Um, the only way for you to have morals, then you really don't have any morals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you said. So see what kind of discussion this brings up? Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's transmitting a fucking nutshell, man. This is a, this is an intense book with, that's fucking hilarious, but that brings up some insanely huge societal issues. And like that issue nine that I was just telling you about, about the whole, the different reservations of cultures, that's super insane intense and interesting look at ancient civilizations there's a whole thing about it's not aztecs but something like that it's like this aztec period or pyramid where somebody gets beheaded and then uh spider says like yeah this culture is only going to last another 10 years and then it's going to have to be restarted because they take the heads of these people that volunteer to be sacrificed dump them in a river the river is completely clogged with rotting heads now people here are drinking disease every day and because of that, their culture will be dying soon. And he says, he says something like, the river is so clogged with disease, you could eat it with a knife and fork. <laughs> and she's like, that's what we come from. That's our past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the interesting thing about that issue is having like the modern human looking at that and that there's so many similarities. <laughs> no matter how much we evolve, we're still stuck in this weird primate... Uh, you know, scared of the sun <laughs> mindset that we have. <laughs> we are, and like that's understandable, though. I mean, because you know, can you really say that there's never been a time in your life where you've you know thought or maybe said out loud, like, "Someone, please make sense of all of this for me." Well, yeah, I mean, of of course, because in desperation, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. But we still muscle through it. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I, I I may have I may have had those moments, but guess what? I'd never got the answer. <laughs> I I had to solve the problem myself. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I, in that vein, though, I mean, in my mind, it's still just a way of how you look at stuff. Because some people, like yourself, you're like, I had to solve this myself. I just had to figure it out. And there are other people that choose to see, I guess, for lack of a better word, signs in their life. And if you want to call it God, the universe, whatever, like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to go or this is what I'm supposed to do. Fine. But again, it all only becomes a problem when you start to think that you have the answer and everybody else needs to share in your answer. They need to be subjugated to your answer. Well, it's, just, it's a fundamental, like, it's, it's a fucking thinking that even the people that's like, oh, the universe is doing, like, that, all that's doing is putting yourself on a pedestal. 
Because you're so fucking important that the universe gives a shit about what you do because you fucking overcooked the chicken or whatever. I and I, I get you there, too. That, that has its extremism. Like, people who like are hold on really, really hard to manifestation and yeah. the, the laws of Abraham Hicks. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like the universe was too busy, you know, bringing you what you want, like a, you know, a fucking boyfriend or your car keys to ignore all the blight and terror that's yeah. going on across the world. That's again, is its own religion. I have a friend who, I don't know if he still does because I had to um, and unfollow him on Facebook long ago, <laughs> but I have a friend who used to blame the universe for every issue that he had. And it was one of those, like my car broke down, like, Oh, the universe is trying really hard to piss me off today, but I'm not going to let it. I'm like, Fuck you, man. The universe Fuck doesn't you. care. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. Right, exactly. The car doesn't give a shit, man. Just buckle through and fix it. <laughs> do what you have to do to get through. Exactly. Um, you know. Okay, so go, going back a little bit. <laughs> back in issue two. <laughs> there's just a couple of things. I didn't make many notes for this because I knew this was going to happen. It's such a dense book that it, it, it invites conversation. It really does. And, you know, it, it invites conversation, it invites argument, and it invites, uh, um, what's the word? Conflict. You know, like, like for th there's just as many things to uh, appreciate in this as there are to, like, rail against. Exactly. And, and one of the things I really like about it is the way it presents those points of view. Like, Spider, and in issue seven or eight, the when he talks to his friend that's, like, a, a spore of... Uh, um, nanomachines mm -hmm. and just that like hey man this is my life this is how i see the world mm -hmm. and uh the 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 different points of view that are allowed to conflict but then also aren't judged you know like, like there, are, there are points of view that are heavily judged in this mm -hmm. and there are points of view that like hey that's not wrong it's just different right and i like that the book draws the distinction between those like, there are things that are like, that's fucking dumb. And then there are things that are like, hey, you know, you may not just understand, you just may not understand this. Right, right, yeah. This is just something that you're not familiar with yeah. and doesn't have to be, you know, yeah. And that's the great thing, too, is that the book uh, tells you that you don't always have to understand something in order to accept it. Yeah. You know, things can just be. Exactly. Um, okay, here are my only notes. Number one, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Spider goes from Alan Moore to Grant Morrison. He starts off as a big, hairy, angry dude in the woods. And then he gets his hair, like, zapped off. <laughs> Very funny scene. Yeah. And looks exactly like Grant Morrison. And <laughs> I mentioned this last time, and I'm, I, I just feel like this is true, that that is a statement about comics in the 90s, mm -hmm. about the Alan Moore, uh, I don't know, wave giving way to Grant Morrison the comic books that spun out of that shift in thinking. And realistically, there's not a huge difference between the two. Uh, Moore and Morrison are very similar in terms of their style and their worldview. They're just different enough that they hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And issue two, I wrote, uh, this is a line that Spider has that I fucking loved. It's people that kill every revolution. It's like shockingly defeatist, but it's also so fucking true. Right, right, yeah. Starting with the best of intentions and look where you end up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And then my last note is just that Spider has the greatest colloquialisms. <laughs> my favorite being he's madder than a bastard on Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good. I I like um oh, what does he call uh uh Mitchell Royce? That, that whore hopping editor. Oh yeah. <laughs> I want that on a coffee mug. <laughs> Yeah, his his language is so colorful. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you brought up how he looks like Alan Moore. You've probably already heard this, but I can't remember whether it was Warren Ellis or Derek Robertson, but one of them swears up and down that, no, no, he's not based on Alan Moore. Um, he's based on my friend Anthony somebody whose last name sounds very Italian and very hard to pronounce. But, like, you look at a picture of his friend, and then you look at a picture of Spider Jerusalem, Jerusalem, excuse me, and you see that, um, like, that malleability in his face, like, with the way he arches his eyebrows and the way he grins. And you're like, oh, okay, I see it. Um, Anthony something. Anthony Riccardi? Ricciardi? Ricciardi, yeah. Andre. Andre. See, yeah, that's why we look things up, people. I, I know I'm that may be true, but that's fucking Alan Moore. I, I know, right? <laughs> like, you look at him like covered in hair, and you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> it can be two things. Yeah, it can. It also like he fucking he acts like him too. Like Alan Moore is known as this like reclusive old curmudgeon, and that that's what he is at the beginning, and then he gets pulled back into the city and the new world, and he turns into Grant Morrison. Like, <laughs> I'm. Going to stick with this. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. And you can't help but see it. And especially, I mean, any other book, I'd be like, oh, maybe it was just coincidence. But look at this fucking thing. Like, it's, <laughs> it can't be coincidence. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, and um, this is a very small thing, but we need to mention his cat. Oh, yeah. The three-headed cigarette-smoking cat. Yes. Three-faced, really? I think it's, yeah, three-faced cat. And it's just called Cat throughout yeah. the entire book, right? There's an X-Men character that was designed by Frank Quitely named Ugly John, who reminds me of the cat. Oh, totally. Because oh he's literally just got like three faces right next to each other. <laughs> he is in one issue and gets promptly killed off. Oh, <laughs> poor Ugly John. <laughs> Maybe he's in more. Um, anyway, uh, that's what the cat looks like. It's got like the multiple, like a, like a little fucking Yanis statue with the multiple faces. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it's, um, it's, I think it's in the first issue. Yeah, that's kind of where you get a, a small peek um, right before the riots that maybe um, Spider isn't just a complete jack wagon. Is that he finds the cat and the cat tries to attack him, yeah. but it's so weak that it can't even fight him. And so he just grabs it by the scruff of the neck and brings it into his apartment. And, and like there it stays. And like you said, like smoking cigarettes and yowling at people. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Great so book. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be controversial and say this is a vertigo stop. No one should read it. Whatever, you're just trying to be controversial. It's true. <laughs> no, it's a big vertigo. This is fucking great. Um, excellent series. I'm going to continue plowing through it. Um, and it's really like it's really easy to read. It's yes. dense and it's it questions and it answers. Like it it, it does everything that good confrontational art should but it's really easy to consume exactly one issue takes like 15 minutes to plow through if that and and it's also very episodic 
Like in this issue, they're doing this. In this issue, they're doing that. So it's not like you have to, where, where were they last time? <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> and so it's, it invites you to kind of read it, put it down, think about it, come back in a few days and pick up the next one. Here, here. And not, not a lot of modern comics do that. Modern comics today are all about the big fucking story. And even, I mean, fuck, even Vertigo in the 90s was like that because they could be. And, and so it feels weird to have a book that's so about big ideas but be easily digested in small bites. Which, like we talked about last time, is one of the reasons it would make a good show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. We've talked about this before. Like, like I've had uh, friends mention, it's like, well, it's just too overwhelming, the world of comics. I don't know where to start. And it's like, again, just start with Back on the Street yeah. and, you know, go from there. And you could literally almost go anywhere after Back on the Street. And like you said, you would not be lost. I'm glad that they redid the graphic novel so that there's six issues instead of three. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, those first three, he's a little abrasive and it's kind of hard to really get where he's coming from. Right. By six, I think you've got a way better idea of who he is and his sense of humor and the book's sense of humor as a whole. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So stick with it, people. Yeah. We didn't stick with it. So yeah, Vertigo for you. Oh, big Vertigo. All right. Well, I guess that's about it for today. We got over an hour, so I can do some editing. <laughs> <laughs> Something to work with. I just I like to be a little over an hour so I can have some some wiggle room. We got some wiggles. So, all right. End of the show time. Like and subscribe. Share this wonderful confrontational episode with all of your religious family members. <laughs> <laughs> At Thanksgiving, Get please. them into a nice <laughs> argument. Um, follow us on Twitter, at Vertigo Voices, or Instagram, Vertigo Voices. Or feel free to email us at the address, vertigovoices at gmail.com. Uh, I haven't checked the email in a while. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you, either way. Yeah. Tell me how offended you are by my dispassion towards your religion. Right. And cats. Hey, man, maybe if I had a multi-headed cat, I'd care about it. So I just had a one-headed cat destroying my shit. (laughs) One-headed cats are just so blasé. Everyone has one. But anyway. (laughs) All right. Well, we're done. Uh, Join us next time where we talk about Superman. What? (laughs) Superman's not Vertigo. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Stay with us. You will learn. Yeah. Yes, learn all about Vertigo history of Superman. All right, goodbye. Goodbye.